0: listening to Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny,
1: a listener-supported podcast located at revelationsradionews.com. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex.
2: For well, we are opposed around
0: the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy... conspiracy. have before us the opportunity to forge, for ourselves and for future generations, a new world order. Either you are with us,
2: or you are with the terrorists. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters.
3: Dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. Forever. Podcasting to you from along the banks of the muddy Canadian River, where I, my reflexes are faster than a five-year-old's throw. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. And podcasting from Piedmont, Oklahoma,
4: where the red flag warning it's finally been lifted. I'm Andrew Hoffman.
3: Alright, alright, alright. So tonight at bedtime, <laughs> I said, it's time for bed. Five-year-old boy responds, No, it's not. I said, yes, it is. Empty water bottle comes flying at my head. <laughs> no. <laughs> Almost like the Matrix. I like didn't think he was going to throw it, and then like saw it out of the corner of my eye. I was like, Oh! <laughs> it's coming right from my head." He's got he's got an arm on him. I'll, tell, I'll give him that. <sighs> the uh, struggle is real. <laughs> We've had a tough week here at this house. What's uh What's the red flag? No, the red flag is just the you know the
4: high winds, fire danger. Even though we had rain, like few days ago, but I guess the the panhandle is burning. Oh, okay. There was, to...
3: there was a fire down here somewhere too, not too long ago. I guess I missed it, but someone was telling me all about it. Yeah. You know, it's supposed to be a
4: wasteland with nothing to burn, but there apparently there's stuff to burn.
3: <laughs> all right. So pet update, uh how is the cat? I pulled her off a different roof. So it's two roofs in two weeks. So, I mean, the houses in your neighborhood aren't all exactly the same. Maybe she thought she could jump off of this one.
4: Yeah, well, she can. the, The backyard fence is like six feet tall, so she can jump up to the top of the fence and then jump from there to a rooftop, but she can't. Jump from the rooftop back to the fence, where she's afraid to. So, once she's on the roof, she's stuck. Ah, uh,
3: well, at least you narrowed it down to exactly what's happening. Yeah. Well, so. we had to uh, to put Cadence down last Friday, so it's been a tough week here at our house. Yeah. No fun putting a pet down. That pet, that, that dog, Cadence, I had her we've had her since two thousand nine. So long before we did this podcast. I had that I had that dog. Like two years before we did this podcast. May even be before we met. Yeah, probably was. I think when do we meet? It's like two thousand nine, two thousand ten, somewhere in that range. Yeah, somewhere right in there.
4: Yeah. I don't know. Would you even have been going to conferences if you had a dog at that point? <laughs> of course, of course,
3: <laughs> of course, I would. Um, what was I thinking? You know, one of the parts they don't tell you about, like becoming a dad, it's like it's you know, horrible decisions like this. Like when the when the dog's time, it's time to go. For the dog, will be left on you. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it's not one of the it's not in any brochure that I read about becoming a parent or any book. But, you know, when it comes down to it, it stinks, man. She lost basically lost control of the rear end altogether, not just the bowels, but the bowels and the pee. And she couldn't really correctly operate her own legs. Mm. So it was a spinal situation.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: At which point they said that we can medicate the pain and give you, you know, some wheels for the back end. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I made that decision. So that was, that was, that was the move. Um, I don't know. She was amazing dog. She, uh, her absolute favorite thing to do is swim in the ocean. We lived up in Edmonds and I'd throw the ball in the water. I don't know that she would love to be pooping and peeing everywhere and cruising around with wheels attached to her rear end you know what I mean yeah so it was cool we made the best of it I went <laughs> I brushed her all out brushed all her hair out sat there with her she couldn't really even stand up just laid with her talk to her and then threw in the car with my wife in like the back back seat and then drove to McDonald's drive through <laughs> you got her some double double cheeseburgers She ate, I think she ate No, she ate two cheeseburgers <laughs> A chicken nugget And some french fries And then we went to the, the vet And they explained the whole thing And many tears from all members of the family Except my poor one-year-old girl She didn't quite understand what was happening But when when her older brother started to cry Then she started to kind of put it together It wasn't anything good <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, they gave her the, the little the little injection and it was it was kind of interesting. She went like immediately, like they weren't even done injecting the stuff. And it usually, they said it takes like a minute or two, but they weren't even done injecting the stuff like there's, st- and she was gone. So the doctor kind of mentioned to me, you know, she probably says this to everybody. She's like, oh, she was ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. It was uh it's been a tough week man tough week we did the best we could we uh dug her a little grave and actually i you know there's like some charge you want to cremate her you want to do this you want to do that and i was like can i take her just give them to me said, yeah so i take her brought her brought her home and and uh, buried her here on the on the property that was interesting picked you know the kids and my wife picked wildflowers and stuff and dropped them in there with her and we just did the best we could man i'm just trying to show kids how to exercise grief correctly and teach them about life and death in the best possible way I can and that was that was kind of the move I came up with was we'll just we'll have our own little burial that night and it was uh it was, I guess is as good as it could be <laughs> but uh, yeah that's not not something I'd recommend Zero out of ten would not recommend yeah well. And you don't seem excited
4: that I'm offering you a free cat to help help get over the the loss of your dog.
3: Andrew, I already have a cat.
4: <laughs> this one you don't even have a lot of roofs around. So, this is a good situation. I don't I don't know if she would last a week. She would either oh, no. like yeah. figure it out and become you know, like your barn cat yes or she would be a goner
3: yeah quickly quickly <laughs> there's, yeah. yeah I gotta get a wildlife cam set up out here or something but there are there are many animals yeah many animals and it, it, to top it off yesterday we're driving up the road and there's a cow laying down dead <laughs> like near our house so I went hmm. and no- knocked on someone's door I said hey here's what's going on I think I saw this cow and, Next day, it's not there, so I don't know if it died or what. But it's uh, it's interesting. When it rains, it pours. In this house, we're learning about death this week. So it's a lot of questions. You know, we got to tell them, okay, so the body is... is is, But the, she's just out there. It's like, the body is out there. She is not in it. <laughs> she's gone on to other places. So I don't know, man. Like, again, nobody trained me for any of this. I'm just praying silently and just trying to act out the way that I think that... I should deal with the loss of a family member, the grief of it all, and trying to explain it the best I can. It's a perfect example yeah. of winging it.
4: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, that's kind of the, you know, there's a lot of winging it involved. So if you're, if you're out there and you're like, man, I don't know if we should have kids. I don't know. I, you know, I don't feel ready. It's like, well, you're never going to feel ready. Yeah. yeah like yeah. this is
3: not. There's no amount of ready. Yeah. This would have been a tough week without kids, and it's been, uh, I think it is, it's tough with kids, but I, th- I think we're doing okay. Just winging it and just doing our best, and, you know, it's a its a stressful time here. We're getting down to the wire, figuring out what's going to be going on with my job. I finally got the, the uh, uh, license to do mortgages and whatnot, just waiting for the licensing from Washington, you know. Big surprise, the state of Washington, <laughs> not moving super fast on something. And then the appraisal for the house, and then we'll figure out kind of we're buying this or moving on. So a lot to contend with. And uh, yeah, even uh, even more recently, we had a, a tick bite in the family, which can be stressful. We believe that's how you got your Lyme disease, right? Uh, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Is, that, is that the only way you can get Lyme disease?
4: No, okay, but they say it is okay, but it's it's a way you can get Lyme disease
3: interesting so. well we've been dealing with that too so uh yeah it's uh it's a heavy heavy time I guess but uh we're we're moving through God is good and he's got a plan for all this stuff so I'm just uh trying to get out of the way and let him work and do, do the best that I can in my little my little part of it Sounds good. Well, should we move on to
4: some outbound or outer world death and destruction instead <laughs> of uh, sad personal stuff? Yeah.
3: <laughs> if you'd yeah. like. If you and your uh, your uh, golden jacket would like to move forward, then we can do it.
4: Can, can, I, can I cheer you up with... A post called More COVID Insanity from Steve Kirsch. I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. right. Uh, Insane news item number one US government to cede control to the WHO for future pandemics. This is not a joke. Okay, now the insane news. The U.S. government is about to hand over the keys to the pandemic response to the goofballs at the, at the WHO. The WHO, as we all remember, did not spend a dime on the fastest, safest, and cheapest way to end the pandemic using repurposed drugs. Even today, they can't seem to figure out that there are dozens of proven early treatment protocols that save lives. They are corrupt. So why would world governments want to give them the power to exclusively coordinate the pandemic response for the next pandemic? The bad news, this will soon be a done deal. Uh, Thanks to Mike Eden for alerting me to this. Here's Mike's message. So we know Michael Eden played some of his clips a long time ago. Uh, He was one of the one of the Pfizer, former Pfizer guys. Steve, I've heard about this from a half dozen sources, and I'm sorry to say that the concerns expressed are wholly justified. It's a mad idea, but since certain individuals and nations have pretty much taken over the WHO, Bill Gates, I think it's a certainty that if this new treaty gets signed within a few years at most, a public health emergency of international concern will be declared and all currently sovereign nations will become controlled subsidiaries of WHO. No government should do so. Okay. So this is not really news if you're paying attention to... Corbett and other, other sources, you know, this is, this is the plan, you know, moving it forward. And um, so obviously something to keep an eye on for the U S in particular to actually sign it as a treaty. I think it has to get 60 votes in the Senate. Okay. So we, you know, It should not officially get signed. This is why the global warming deal, Obama, you know, signed us on to it, but it wasn't legitimate because it wasn't signed as a, because the Senate didn't approve it and the president can't just unilaterally sign us on to stuff like that. So, but, uh, you know, when you've got senators like Romney and, and people like that, I, you know, it's, Certainly not something to assume isn't going to go through. And then this uh, insane news item number two from Steve Kirsch, Canada locks up 81-year-old doctor for 25 days in a psychiatric hospital because he said the vaccines had bad side effects. And I've got some clips from this guy. So uh, Dr. Mel Bruchet is the doctor who was locked up for 25 days and has a warrant out for his arrest. And Doctor Daniel Nagassi—I might be saying his name wrong. I recognize him. I think we've played clips involving him before. And he was—I think he was involved with the truckers. But uh, yeah, let's let me see what I got here. Let's do the Doctor
5: Nagassi Neg- uh, tells Doctor Bruchet's story.
0: And because the psychiatrists and nurses kept calling you delusional, I think that's one of the reasons they forced uh, Dr. Bruchet to take an antipsychotic medication, which causes strokes, heart attacks, and death when given to people over the age of 65. So Mel Bruchet is 81 years old. And yet, despite knowing this, over and over again, for the about the last five days of your confinement in the psychiatric facility, they forced this medication on you, calling extra security to threaten you physically if you didn't take this medication, even though the doctors knew this is a dangerous medication in someone your age. And then, you know, on top of all that, there's the the constitutional violation where they restricted your access to the phone, would not allow you to call and they severely limited your access to family members. They even, um, they even stopped Father Augustine, your priest, from coming to see you after Christmas. So this is really, this is inhumane treatment.
4: So his, his crime, uh, so they, they say, you're claiming that the vaccines aren't safe and effective that means uh, you're insane and you have to take this dangerous medication that someone who's 81 year, years old uh, in particular shouldn't be put on that medication. So he doesn't want to take it. And they they lock him up. And then um, I'll just, we'll just play the next uh, clip, which is uh, Dr.... Bruchette or Bruchet, I'm not sure which one it is. He says both, but uh, warrant.
0: Fifteen minutes after he was too late from returning to the hospital, like he was ordered to do so by the psychiatrist, they issued a director's warrant for his arrest. So Mel currently has a federal warrant in Canada for his arrest. So this is a very serious problem. That's why Mel can't go to his own home. He can't return to his own house or sleep in his own bed.
4: Hmm. It it goes on from there. This uh, (laughs) I should have brought the clip, but it reminds me of, of Mr. Pfizer CEO Borla talking about how the problem of people not taking their medication when they should and how it would be great if... Uh, and they're, they're working on, you know, medication with, with uh, chips and trackers included in it. So, it, you know, it, it dissolves when it gets to your stomach and sends a signal, and an RF signal, that the medication's been taken. So they know for sure you've, you're taking your medication. So, you know, he's on the run in Canada for uh, no, no crime, no actual crime just for refusing to take medication that they said he needed uh, because they say he's crazy for uh, not loving the vaccine. So, and then let's uh, listen to now oh, there's a, a couple of good ones here, but uh, uh, let's hear from Dr. Uh, Bruchette himself. Uh, and, You tell me if you think he's crazy. Dr. I have
6: to recognize that we've got to keep pedal to the metal. I think there's a tendency now that that this system is falling apart worldwide, and particularly in Britain. There's a tendency to think it's over. It's not over. This is just the beginning of the beginning. And we have to keep our ankles and our feet on their throats. Because if we let up, uh, I mean, Trudeau is already trying to, you know, play this down and that these people were uh, illegally, uh, you know, he's trying to recreate a scene uh, like in the States that they're going to take over. Well, hopefully we will take over because under his leadership it is going to continue to be a psychosocial, moral, financial disaster that this country has become. And I think the other thing we have to do is document time, places, persons, names, pictures of this, the, the victims of this vaccine and document the how do they manage to, to cover up 13 stillboards in women's center in Vancouver in a 24 hour period
4: 13 stillbirths in 24 hours is he he must be crazy to say that that's not normal
3: that is something that's no. we've we've, heard, see, we've there, actually seen rumblings of this haven't we i think i've seen No, we we, we- talked about that particular story
4: yeah. 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 Because the, there was whistleblowers um, that brought nurse, it out and it just, yeah. you know, nothing happens. Yeah. It's just still, Oh, it's so weird. There's a, you know, some weird blood clotting thing and some weird heart attack thing. And I don't know, maybe it's the, maybe it's Christmas trees. Maybe it's referee whistles. Maybe, you <laughs> know, <and> it just, <laughs> you know, and it, in an insane world, the sane people are called crazy, and that's this is if you if you read um, you know Gulag Archipelago, this is exactly what the Soviets did. They defined normal thinking, critical thinking, as insanity, and would lock you up for it, and they would you know they had quotas of people they needed to put in the the gulags and they would just you, you could uh, you could confess and it, they might not lock your family up you know so you you had people like trying to confess to stuff they didn't know what they were confessing to
7: hmm.
4: you know and it, it how didn't far matter. How,
3: did you read the whole thing already or yeah yeah oh i didn't know that you already finished it yeah when did you when did you finish it? When did you read read that? Back we talk, when we started when we, reading it. Oh, back okay. Still making my way through it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't paint a super rosy picture. It's kind of funny. He called it Gulag Archipelago.
4: Yeah, but
3: anyway, I didn't mean to get us off topic, but they get you for thinking normally. Yes, for being sane. Yeah, for calling out the obvious.
4: And this this last clip, um, this is the other the other doctor, Doctor Nagassi, on judicial notice.
0: <clears throat> the Supreme Court of Canada reaffirmed something called judicial notice in two thousand and one. So that's twenty one years ago. And what judicial notice does is it allows judges to declare something to be a fact without offering any proof or evidence. So if a Supreme Court judge in Canada says, I issue a judicial notice that the vaccines are safe, then that becomes a legal fact in Canada. The judge doesn't have to give any proof or evidence that the vaccines are safe. All the judge has to say is, I declare this a judicial notice that vaccines are safe. And from that point on, no evidence can be presented in court otherwise.
3: Hmm. Wow. So,
4: that's a, you're defining crimes into existence. Wrong think, you know. Well, what do you mean they're not safe and effective? They're, by definition, safe and effective. Just because we say they are. Yeah. So, this is so I, I wanted to play those clips both for the you know certainly pray for that pray for that guy. Hopefully they can get him out of Canada before they throw him back in the in prison and drug him to drug him to death. But um, also
3: you know this is this is not over. So definitely not. But uh, our other favorite uh, Canadian uh, wrongly imprisoned person. Arthur Pulowski just got out two days ago. After 51 days in solitary confinement, he is now free. Wins appeal. Wins a bail appeal after nearly 50 days in jail. Uh, Oh, so it actually was 51 by the time he he, he was let out. That's wild. Wild. Apparently, SaveArter.com refers to Rebel News. They have a whole section for him, so nuts. Well, that is good news, but also it's,
4: you know, I mean, they even made us basically forget about it. I didn't even know he'd been released. I didn't know he was still in in jail. I mean, that's the power of propaganda. They can make you think about whatever they want to make you think about and we forget about stuff you know that we were paying attention to. I don't know. It's a
3: it's kind of messed up, but good job catching that yeah no worries the uh when the the canadian trucker stories pretty much disappeared from existence i mean are they still in ottawa what happened with that it kind of just they started freezing bank accounts and then they unfroze them and now everything's normal we're just supposed to move on and forget about it yeah i got my give
4: send go donation refunded but they didn't refund all of it it's kind of strange you donated to give send go for the Canadian truckers, yeah.
3: It's like oh put, man, put me on that list, buddy. I did. I did it to get on the list, buddy. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to have to end the, our partnership of these many years so soon. But I can't believe that you would give to the wrong political organization. <laughs> this is unbelievable. You're lucky you didn't get our PayPal account suspended. Oh, that's right. That's your goal. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm- there are much, become, bigger, much, 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 much bigger names than us who haven't had their PayPal account suspended. Because don't forget, PayPal likes making money. Yeah. Yeah. And the two biggest podcasts, Influential, that we listen to. Both still run on PayPal. Yeah. And uh, PayPal has
4: some... Elon Musk, it's where, well, not the first place he made his money, but, uh, made a lot of money with PayPal,
3: PayPal and Fleabay, eBay, because so PayPal now, was a spinoff of eBay, wasn't it? Fairly similar. Yeah.
4: Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know one way or the other, but there was he, Elon. Yeah. I don't think I have it in these clips, but, uh. Anyway, I got some Elon clips. So the 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 big news is Elon bought some of Twitter, and yeah, everything's fixed. Twitter's awesome again. You know, let's let's uh, bring back Trump. And everything will, Trump on Twitter, everything will be great again. So you might sense some
3: sarcasm. Um, well, I don't even know what to say. I mean, there's so this is such a strange one. Oh. Black helicopter flying over if, <laughs> if this cuts out then we'll know why yeah um, can you hear that yeah wow that's loud isn't it so like yeah. right right over the house I think they follow the river up the follow up the river sometimes but anyway um yeah I don't even know where to start with this with the Elon thing because it's funny to see people excited but it's also confusing, <laughs> you yep. know, because like, they're like, did you see the Substack post or whatever? There was like Substack posted, hey, if you're a jilted Twitter, you know, employee. Oh, yeah, I did <laughs> that see that. Yeah. That doesn't want to. It's mad tweet. about yeah. Elon coming on because you want free speech. Don't apply to Substack or something to that effect. Right. Yeah. Don't. Please don't.
4: We're looking. We're we're hiring. And if you're a Twitter employee. Who's who's quitting because you're mad at Elon promoting or demanding free speech? Please don't come work here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, which which was good. That's fine. I, but uh, Jason Burmes did a pretty good Elon rant. Okay. So you know, bef- before we get, I, I won't try to recreate the wheel here. So. Uh, Oh, let's see. Well, what's the first one? Uh, Burmese on Elon
3: SpaceX. I had a feeling that was it. Yeah. Another way, another good way to fleece.
5: He put 9% into Twitter is nothing compared to the fact that he is actively engaged in trying to start World War Three right now. He launched what he says are Starlink satellites, okay? Everybody has to understand, that is fiction, okay? They are not Starlink satellites. They are DARPA's blackjack satellites. Openly, SpaceX piggybacks these. These are Mandrake-2s, they ride SpaceX. He puts them anywhere he wants in the world, or rather, anywhere the military wants in the world, because they're his largest contractor, Via SpaceX rockets, they are openly being utilized for small drones to do kamikaze style attacks on tanks in Russia right now. He is having fights with members of parliament and talking about one on one combat with Putin. These are things that we have to worry about. The idea he is also being set up as some kind of a free speech savior right now is fiction. Okay, he is not doing that whatsoever. And we have to start acknowledging that. Like, I see people worshiping this guy. Can you imagine if a multi-billionaire, the guy that did best in COVID, by the way, increased his fortune 600%, look into it, did the best out of anybody. His biggest contractor ever is the military industrial complex, SpaceX, okay, period. Tesla is subsidized by the government. And DARPA has their own brain chip now for five decades. And he does Neuralink as well. Are we, are we like slow? Do we not get it? Why? Because he tweets about people should have free speech. Well, I I didn't notice that Alex Jones got his Twitter account back today because of Elon Musk. I didn't notice that they took off the warnings. Okay. I didn't notice that my shadow ban has gone away. I didn't get a blue check mark today. Did you guys? So, People have to understand that dude is a hundred percent front.
3: hundred percent front. That is a good description. Preaching to the choir, preaching to the choir on this one. I don't understand how everybody likes him. My even, even my own, my own mother. She's like, I know you don't like Elon, but I do. It's like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) everybody, everybody. Oh, oh. I mean, it kind of shows like
4: how little these (laughs) billionaires would have to do to, to be liked. It's true. Just, and how pathetic it is that everyone, just, just you know, that Bill Gates can't figure out a way to like be popular. <laughs> Elon can go along putting brain chips in people, merging us with machines, uh, just getting rich off of government money, promoting the military-industrial complex, and hey, man, he he puts out edgy memes. So it's, it's cool. So this is, it's kind of like, I, well, it reminds me of Trump. So let's, uh, let's take a quick Elon break and play Trump on his greatest achievement, self-described greatest achievement, greatest investment. Let's hear it.
1: Uh, But you look at our economy and then what did we do? We went to work and we built the economy again. We built it a second time and I left and the Dow and everything else was much higher than it was before. And I think very importantly, there are some people that say my greatest achievement was getting the vaccine because the vaccine was said to uh, take three to five years. And most people said it wasn't going to happen. And uh, whether it's Dr. Fauci or anybody else, they all thought it was going to take a long time. And uh, we had a possibility of having a 1917 Spanish flu result where perhaps 100 million people would die and the vaccine saved them. And I also, and you probably heard me say this at least a little bit, don't say it too much, but we made maybe one of the best bets in history because we bought billions and billions of dollars worth of the vaccine by saving time uh, long prior to knowing whether or not it was going to work. Now, I had an idea it was going to work. I'd meet with the drug companies. I put tremendous pressure on the FDA. If you interview them, they will tell you we don't like him. But if they liked me, it would have been three years, five years, and probably you wouldn't have a vaccine. They were very bureaucratic. They were very slow. Uh, They have their likes and their dislikes of Drug companies, certain companies, you saw that with Johnson & Johnson when they did a pause, which was a very bad thing that they did in terms of getting the vaccine out. But the pause for Johnson & Johnson was not good. And you see the way they deal with Pfizer and others uh, much differently. But uh, I put a lot of pressure on them.
4: And, And people still like him. People still like Elon. People still like Trump. There's no, you know, it's if, if you're Bill Gates, it's like, man, I, maybe I could just, like, not openly be so creepy. And then,
7: <laughs>
4: you know, pe- people like, would invite me into the prestigious country clubs a little faster. Yeah. This is, Ugh. So, the, yeah, this is just... When he's running for re-election, remember what his greatest achievement is. Greatest, and the, the greatest. How he tricked those pharmaceutical companies into taking billions of dollars without a product. And
3: I mean, did you hear that it he pressured the them? He pressured them, Andrew. Yeah, he he's, taking cr- them to, he's, ta- he's taking. He's taking credit. He pressured credit. them to make a. He a, 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 a pressured them, and then. Gave them billions of dollars before it was created to make a thing. I mean, what a hero.
4: Because Fauci didn't want to
3: make it fast. He wanted to make it slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Evan Pilato says it all the time. It's more and more true by the day. Uh, Donald Trump loaded the gun. Biden pulled the trigger. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah,
4: I mean... Yeah, it's... And what happens next?
3: You know, I mean,
4: Trump's, that's another thing.
3: Know. I was listening to, uh, uh, Richard Grove and he, he was talking about that. There's nothing has slowed down. Like it's COVID is no longer part of the narrative, but like all of the bureaucracy in, in, uh, framework is still full speed ahead. It's just mm-hmm. now we're to the Will Smith slap and then it, war in Ukraine. Yeah, but yeah, all everything's
4: still being prepared. The the pandemic infrastructure still being built. Yeah, they just don't need you. I guess if they they don't even really need political approval. Apparently, they just march right on and tell you it got
3: approved. It's crazy. But uh, I want to get back to let's say food shortages come. Okay. Okay. You're gonna have to have a vaccine passport to buy food.
4: Well, or you just make it so that you hyperinflate it so no one's, or people have money, but you know, there's. <laughs> do you have ten thousand dollars to go buy food? <laughs> you know, but oh, don't worry. There's government assistance, but then you need the. That's what know. I'm saying. Then, yeah. then you need the, the, the but it, vaccine. Yeah, to for the government handout. You know, because there's not enough to go around. So we need to, you know, it's. And if you think it can't happen, they. I didn't even bring the story, but some. They denied a kidney transplant to a nine year old because his father refused the COVID vaccine. So just like, okay, well, we'll let your kid die.
3: Seems like allopathic medicine. Just moving forward doing its job yeah so let's uh
4: let's play Burmese on bushnell this is still part of the whole elon rant but he talks about the nasa guy
3: there's a nasa guy named bushnell yes
5: they're letting me get on stage and talk about dennis bushnell nasa transhumanism and uh somebody's been good enough Um, Must be watching my work to dig up some Bushnell videos. So I've been harping on the fact that he openly talked about in 2011, not only Malthus 101 instituting population control, but they had put 10,000 brain chips in people already. Well, found a 2014 video. He said that number had been up to 40,000. Found him in 2018. It is now 200,000. Is on an exponential level. In 2022, my best guess from the jump and what he is willing to admit is we on the planet right now, we're not talking cochlear implants. Okay. Have a couple hundred or I'm sorry, uh, 2 million, probably about 2 million people with brain chips. And they have, they've had super soldiers. We talk about Chinese super soldiers. We've been (laughs) GMOing humans. Okay. Since post-World War II openly, everybody should read Annie Jacobs and stuff. Area 51 Pentagon's brain DARPA. It's all here. The transhumanist nightmare that we're about to live through has already been plotted and almost perfected on a, a micro level. And now they got Funboy with his DARPA projects convincing everybody it's going to be the coolest that they can listen to Taylor Swift in their head.
3: Fun Boy is Elon, but yeah. <laughs> so is Jason Burmess the new Alex Jones? He's saying there's two million people on Earth with chips in their head already? Well, he he's doing
4: the extrapolation from Dennis Bushnell claiming two hundred thousand in twenty eighteen. At that rate of growth, it would be two million by now. I'm, I don't
3: know. It, it, twenty people with chips in their heads—too many, in my book. No, but. I agree. But we, I mean, we read that story where we can't keep monkeys alive. So,
4: well, for for Elon's thing, yeah, but he's still planning on human trials. Sure. They're, sure. But, you know, for military and Chinese military, you know, if they want chips in your head, chips are going in your head.
3: Hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah. There's no qualms about putting the vaccine in. So it's, I don't know, same same sort of deal, but the, the same transhumanist agenda. But this last uh, this last clip, it's like, I, th- I thought for a brief second, wait a second, is Burmese calling, is Burmese a closet flat earther? But no, he, he's most definitely not. But uh, I thought this last uh, Burmese clip was good here.
5: I don't trust him because all of his month. Listen, man, the electric car has been around for 30. How many times did they knock out other businesses? Why did they let him not be profitable for over a decade? How did he get the military industrial rocket contracts? We're not going to the moon. We're not going to Mars. That is fiction. If you listen to the insiders, even though openly the head of NASA, since the Gemini project, he's been around. His name is Dennis Bushnell. If you're not watching my videos on them, I would encourage you to do so. We're not sending people to these places. We're sending the robots that can do everything the people can do cheaper and better. (laughs) All right? That's the bottom line. If you think his rocket ships are taking human beings to the moon, again, listen to Bushnell. He'll openly tell you, in order for that type of space travel, we need to, quote-unquote, genetically modify and space-harden humans against the radiation and the Gs.
4: genetically modify and space harden humans before we can go to the moon. Wait a second.
3: Hey, I'm with you. Wait on that. a second. I'm not even, I'm not even a flat earther, but I always believe the Van Allen belt. There's no way out. Like I don't think they've ever gotten anybody out. I don't think that there's a way to get through it. Yeah. But, there's,
4: there's no Van Allen belt, but that's okay. <laughs> that's it's fine. a dome man. Can't get through the dome. Right. The firmament, but, uh, this, so I I put some links in which'll will, will be in in the notes. Burm is talking to Corbett about uh, about Bushnell and and some other stuff. But Then I also found, um, an oldie but a goodie from Mister Corbett: "All hail Elon's Martian technocracy." And I, if it's all right, I'll read some of this here. So this is from. July 2019. Imagine being the real life Tony Stark, a billionaire, jet setting tech whiz playboy who's developing the multi billion dollar rockets that will not only privatize space travel, but help get humanity to Mars. And imagine you announce the whole thing on Twitter with the big splashy Occupy Mars picture of the red planet. There's the Elon tweet Occupy Mars. Only to be told that you posted a picture of the moon by mistake. A red-hued blood moon, to be sure, but the the moon nonetheless. How embarrassing. Luckily, the cool billionaire tech guru who's selling electric cars and building underground hyperloops and rescuing Thai children from caves, (laughs) remember that one, and selling not-a-flamethrowers to raise some money on the side, took it exactly how you'd expect he would by tweeting a couple of laugh-crying emojis and a hearty, moon too. What class? But then again, what would you expect? Or would you expect anything less from the man whom Warner Von Braun predicted would be the future leader of Mars? Of course not. So Elon Musk was predicted by Warner Von Braun. There's a link. I won't click through it right now, but Corbett always links that stuff. Uh, What many may have missed in the back and forth about the moon-Mars gaffe, however, is another tweet Elon Musk made about the scheme. Granted, this one is not quite so exciting to the general reader. Accelerating starship development to build the Martian technocracy. The Martian technocracy? What's this? More whimsy from everybody's favorite mega-rich tech geek? Sadly, no. In fact, what Musk's supporters might not know is that he has a very real family connection to the actual historical technocracy, technocracy, Inc., movement, and political party, which might help explain Musk's outlook, his rise to prominence, and some of his wackier... Not to mention creepier ideas on the eventual merging of humans and machines. So that's—I've got to pull it up in a different browser because I'm not signed in on this browser. Just a moment here. You—you you got any any thoughts on this one?
3: Yeah, it's good stuff. I think that uh, his whole Occupy Mars was uh, quite the quite the moment. I think shortly after that's right when he went on Joe Rogan. You know, he's all smoking weed and. He's one so of us, cool, man. man. He's one of us.
4: <laughs> so, all right. Um, for the three or four people out there who had never heard of Elon Musk before, the bullet points. Born in Pretoria, South Africa in 1971 to Errol and, and Mae Musk. And the maiden name was Haldeman. A computer whiz kid who taught himself programming at the age of 10 moved to Canada in 1989 and in the US in 1992 to study economics and physics at the University of Pennsylvania, went to Stanford to earn a PhD in energy physics, but dropped out after two days, started Zip2, a software company at the dawn of the dot-com boom in 1995, and sold it to Compaq in 1999, personally pocketing $22 million on the deal. That's where the story becomes more familiar. Having first made $22 million with the sale of a Zip2 web software company in February '99, 1999, Musk launched X.com, one of the first online financial services companies the following month. X.com then merged with its main competitor, Confinity, which had a money transfer service called PayPal. Musk served as CEO of the PayPal conglomerate until 2000 and remained its largest shareholder until it was bought out by eBay in 2002 for a cool $1.5 billion. Musk pocketed $165 million from the deal. From there, Musk founded SpaceX, which borrows money from the government at ridiculously low interest rates, and Tesla, which borrows money from the government at ridiculously low interest rates, and SolarCity, which borrows from SpaceX and Tesla. Neither Tesla nor SolarCity actually make money, but in the age of entities like YouTube, which boasts a billion users but still has no timetable on reaching profitability... Perhaps we can chalk that up to the new normal. Look at that. Corbett throwing out new normal uh, 2019. <laughs> As Market Slant noted in their expose of Musk's three way government sponsored arbitrage scheme last fall, Elon Musk now has two companies that do not make money Tesla and SolarCity. He has one that makes money from prepayments for services yet to be given SpaceX.
3: All yeah, are financed don't forget, by the- Don't forget Tesla, too. For a long yeah. time, they were doing the pre orders for cars Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be delivered for four years.
4: All are financed by the U.S. taxpayer at ridiculously below market rates. The table is now set for financing using inflated currency, sound familiar, in the form of Tesla stock to get real cash in Mr. Musk's pockets. More recently, Musk has become known for his, shall we say, eccentricities. Like when he called British diver Vernon Unsworth, who helped in the Thai cave rescue of 2018... Yeah, and who dismissed Musk's ham-handed attempts to help in the rescue as a PR stunt, a pedo guy. Or when he falsely tweeted that he was taking Tesla private and had funding secured. Or when he started selling flamethrowers to fund one of his business ventures, but renamed it not a flamethrower to help ensure it would sail through customs without being confiscated. Or when he smoked marijuana on the Joe Rogan podcast with 6% of... Tesla's share value evaporated in one puff of smoke. To his fans, all of this merely adds to his mystique. He's just a fun, unpredictable guy who knows how to generate publicity and make money. However, as even his fans are forced to admit, this does mean he oversells and underdelivers on every project he ever announces. Production of actual working Teslas is consistently short of expectations, and whistleblowers have revealed that the production process itself is a hot mess. We've talked about that in the past. His grand vision of a futuristic New York to DC in 29 minutes hyperloop quickly devolved into a normal car tunnel and his private space exploration company, private in quotes, uh, is the recipient of billions of dollars of taxpayer money. His tiny contribution to Tesla's $2.8 billion capital raise this year. Uh, shows that he's either not confident in his own product or too far in debt to make a significant in- investment. But to his supporters, these failures are just signs that Musk's genius is constantly pushing him beyond the boundaries of the current technology. His, dist- his detractors have a simpler explanation. He's a con man. But if he were only a con man, that would be one thing. The problem is he's much worse than that. As I also noted in my Brainship article, Musk is like Beelzebub, popping up every time the worlds of government funding, military research, and Bilderberg technocrats collide. When our good friends at DARPA hold the robotic challenge, Musk is there. When the World Government Summit convenes, Musk is a star attraction. Need someone to pimp transhumanism? Musk is only too happy to explain the potential dangers of AI and to present his solution. We must merge with the machines so that we're not irrelevant when the robots take over. And oh yeah, he happens to have a company that's working on the first neural lace mind machine (coughs) merger technology. Neuralink... Yes, whenever the globalist fat cats meet to discuss technocratic ideas for the future, it's a safe bet that Musk will be within spitting distance. But the part of this story you may not know is that Musk's technocratic proclivity is not just a happenstance of character, it's in his genes. You see, Elon Musk is the grandson of Joshua Haldeman. Never heard of Joshua Haldeman? He may not be remembered today, but he was a notable figure in his day, an American by birth. Haldeman moved to southwest Saskatchewan in 1906 at the age of four. During his eventful time in the Canadian prairies, Haldeman helped found the province's first chiropractic association. He waged a public health campaign against Coca-Cola, and depending on whether you trust the Canadian Chiropractic Association or the Financial Times, he was either the research director or the party leader of the Canadian branch of the Technocracy Party, or maybe both. As I've discussed on the Corbett Report many times now, technocracy was a social movement, philosophy, political ideology seeking to construct a system of scientific control over society. In the technocrats' vision, which gained widespread traction with, with the public in America and Canada in the 1930s, the world would be divided into regional units called technates, which would be run by technocrats, scientists, engineers, economists, and others with specialized knowledge of specific technical, technical fields. According to this ideology, economic and the societal and even geopolitical turmoil could be eliminated if the technocrats were given control of the economy and all its aspects from manufacturing to retailing to the currency itself. And then he goes on, goes on from there. I read most of it. You want me to finish it? We're almost done. Might as well. The idea was ludicrous. The type of technology that would have been required to properly administer this technocracy, technology for monitoring every industrial process, every product, and every transaction in the economy in real time, simply did not exist when the idea was first conceived. But that didn't stop the technocrats or the visionary leader of what became Technocracy, Inc., a fully-fledged movement political party cult complete with a uniform, a well-tailored double-breasted suit, gray shirt and blue necktie with a monad insignia on the lapel, and a mandate to salute the movement's leader on site. As viewers of Why Big Oil Conquered the World will know, that leader, Howard Scott, was a charlatan and was quickly disgraced when it was discovered that he had padded his resume by and falsely claimed engineering credentials he did not possess. But while the technocracy movement might have been set back by the fall from grace of its charismatic leader, the idea itself never fully went went away. The Canadian branch of the party, meanwhile, gained enough attention to be banned in Canada, where it was feared this subversive organization of revolutionaries were conspiring to overthrow the government. This caused the disillusioned Haldeman to give up on Canada altogether, he packed up his things and moved his family to South Africa, which is where his grandson, Elon Musk, was born. This connection is not just tangential. It tells us something about Musk's roots and his vision, and it tells us that when he says he is preparing to build the Martian technocracy, he's not using the word in a careless way. He knows exactly what it means. As the Financial Times notes, maybe technocracy will finally have its day appropriately enough on Mars. Let's hope not. But first, we have to convince Musk's supporters of why the creation of a technocracy is a bad idea. Good thing there's a handy-dandy documentary on this very subject that you can show them for free. So, why Big Oil Conquered the World, among, among others there.
3: So. Are you muted? Yeah, sorry. Uh, I was just looking this up while we were reading that. In I thought it was recent history, and sure enough it was September. But September, Elon took part in the Chinese event led by Xi Cooperative. So US firms join Alibaba in Xiaomi at an internet event, China in the midst of a dramatic overhaul of the business environment. Of course, Elon showed up to talk about how he wants the <laughs> how he would he would prefer to have everything structured from Alibaba to Tencent Holdings, all this all these different companies and that uh came up, you know, came up big during the COVID-19 pandemic. While China wasn't shut down, they were operating at full capacity and Elon was taking meetings over there and trying to get more s- stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's uh I
4: I do have to say at least you know, he's you know, being more charismatic than the old like Kissinger type gophers sure. is not a huge compliment, but it you know it, it makes sense. But that's what he is. Like he he is a front man
3: for the new world order. That's what he is. I found the Joe Rogan interview. Gosh, it was in 2018, I think it was. I just had it up on my screen a minute ago. But he was wearing the the uh, Occupy Mars T-shirt. I thought I mm. recognized that T-shirt during yeah. that interview. Uh, let's see, September sixth, twenty eighteen, it, and it—I don't know—just it struck me because I was it was on, it was on mute, and I was just kind of skim looking through it while you were reading. Uh, It—I don't know why, but like without sound and while you're reading about him, he just strikes me as a kind of an empty vassal, just a just a huge nerd. Like he's just like kind of bluffed his way into this position, and he carries himself well, but. It just—I don't know. He just didn't. I don't know. It just didn't. It, it feels it all feels it all feels fake.
4: Yeah. And he, but he's good on Twitter. He is <laughs> kinda good of like, on Twitter.
3: Kind of like uh, the Orange Man. No, he's like—he's a true uh, product of the current society, which is you know he he knows his memes, he knows how to meme correctly, he knows how to mm-hmm. get the kids excited and get them laughing or whatever, and you know. Uh, pointing liar dot com to, uh, to Justin Trudeau's Wikipedia page is pretty hilarious. I mean, there's there's <laughs> some stuff yep. there's some stuff that he's done that I, I like, uh, but yeah, overall I don't trust him. Yes, he is the yin to Bill Gates' yang, and they're headed in the same direction. <laughs> yes, they're they're just <laughs> whatever
4: analogy you want to use. Um, they're. They're whether it's a multi, multipolar world order or a new <laughs> U.S.-led world order or a, yeah, autistic world a, order. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all two two management teams of slavery incorporated to quote Alex Jones. So you want to you, you want to play the Alex Jones rant before we take a break? Sure. This uh, is—I didn't clip it very well, so there's a little like music at the beginning, and this is uh, entertainment purposes only because it's it's chopped up from a bunch of different statements. So
7: I want every Israelite firstborn male dead, and I want them dead now. Kill them now! They're too powerful! They pull out daggers and worship Satan and psychotically massacre people! And all these men, stronger and smarter than me, you won't ask God in! You won't ask God to take over! You won't ask to fight! Because you love the devil! Because you're so big! You're so tough! You're so powerful! You're gonna them get injected with deadly vaccines you're gonna let them eat gmo you're gonna let them die cancer when they're 10 years old because you're a real man it's it's satan time they're demon possessed they're the hell force they've got your kids they already conquered the country just attack start raping everybody i know i'm the bad guy that's what they want to do yeah they're doing it to kids wake up Where are the men that stand up and say no to them? Because they're not. You are cowards. And you let those psychotics have your children. Your planet is ours. We are out in the open now. Something that your children belong to us. I mean, this is full-on satanic attack.
4: Full-on satanic attack?
3: Accurate. Fact check true. uh about submitting your kids to uh to them uh more on that after the break but uh let's let's go ahead and thank some folks as you you may have noticed we are not taking any ads for this show i will not be talking about how soft me undies (laughs) is what's what's some other ones come on hit me with another like always on a podcast ad i don't i I try to stay away from the podcast with ads. I Me, mean, I I agree. Me too. Simply Safe, yeah. Simply Safe is another one. It was always, I know him from Adam Carolla because I used to, like Adam Carolla. He's definitely not the podfather, but he was leaving radio and going to podcasts early on. So he did a lot of the ads and reads and stuff during it because you know he didn't know about the value for value yet. But anyway, uh, I was uh, kind of off topic, but I was jilted. I was. uh uh, jarred by the propaganda report this week. Did you check it out at all? Oh, how they have horrible ads spliced in constantly
4: now. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah so I d- maybe they don't have that for the paid version. Is that how they're doing it? I think so. I, I hope so. I hope if you, I choked through. Pay, you don't. I, I choked through the first one, and then I was like, okay, cool. And they started kind of having an interesting conversation that I wanted to, to listen to. And then right in the middle of them talking, it cut to uh, Discover. Discover Bank really cares about you. You have a Discover card. You can do this, this, and that. And I was, like, so disgusted, I I shut it off. (laughs) I don't want to listen to a a ginormous (laughs) bank ad in the middle of my propaganda report. Like, here's the propaganda report. And here is... Now was propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some propaganda from one of the biggest banks. Brought to you bank- by propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some propaganda from one of the biggest banks in the world, Discover. It's cool. Sounds Yeah. Sounds she's good. I heard Monica kind of
4: explain or I guess kind of defend it. But you know, it's a. I get it, everybody's gotta eat, but it's it's not cool
3: so yeah they got a so she's in she's hurting for money
4: no i mean she was just saying you know she told them like no pharma ads and like some other they let her like say what couldn't be what ads weren't allowed but you have to like disallow whole categories so people got mad because they were roundup ads i'm like yeah for good reason (laughs) (laughs) it's like the worst poison merchant's yeah. Anyway, that's a. Uh, yeah, we, we didn't go that way. We 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 decided uh, to, un- to just unlike, uh <laughs> un- unlike No Agenda, who says vow of poverty, which means like a couple hundred grand a year. <laughs> this is the actual uh,
3: <laughs> vow of poverty podcast. There, I mean, I don't want, I don't mean to defend. Make a make a. Uh, Habit of defending them But I mean If they were in media They probably would get paid A couple more Or a little bit more Than a couple hundred thousand a year I mean Are you you
4: implying that The the best podcast in the universe
3: Is better than our podcast (laughs) in? I am not implying that As a matter of fact I have a story for you I'm glad you brought this up I pick up uh, Said five-year-old son From school And we're driving home And uh, The Jingo goes on, the best podcast, or thank you for the best podcast in the universe, or whatever. And my son says, Hey, Dad. And I said, Yeah. And he goes, Don't don't listen to him about that part. Yours is oh. the best podcast in the universe. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I was like, that is a that is a kind, kind kid. He goes, he just kind of shook his head. Don't listen to him about that part. It's not, <laughs> it's not the best podcast in the universe. <laughs> Didn't want your feelings to be hurt. He didn't. It's pretty cool. <laughs> pretty cool little kid. But anyway, I mean, they famously say Al Sharpton gets paid a couple mil a year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd hope they'd make more than Al Sharpton.
4: Yeah, I don't begrudge um, anyone being more successful at podcasting or anything else. It's just as long as it's done that way, the value for value. Sure. Way. Sure. So it's very. It's the only way to be honest. We yeah. never think, like, oh, if we say this, uh, oh, we can't say that. We have to. There's lies of omission and, and commission, and there's Absolutely. plenty of both in in all sorts of media out there today.
3: We don't so. want to say anything to upset the Garden City farmers, the Garden City ranchers. We don't want to say anything yeah. to, to upset Danny, the traveling mechanic. We don't want to say anything to upset but see, we, we don't we don't even know what would upset them. So <laughs> yeah. we don't we don't uh, it does it's not the same it's not the same and they wouldn't hold us to that anyway. So anyway, um, that is the long and the short of it. The exact verbiage of the whole situation is: if you subscribe or if you donate to this show for the amount of twenty five dollars or more, you get a free copy of Andrew's book. If eventually tim will reach out to you and actually get your email instead of just calling <laughs> for it online and then expecting you to magically email me which by the way didn't work clearly uh we did get two people's uh address so arnold and nicholas arnold and nick your uh your books uh well i guess uh andrew's gonna get to him but i just got that entered into the spreadsheet so we still need kc from sd KC from San Diego, we need your address so we can send it out. I sent an email earlier this week. Hopefully that gets through to you. Uh, If you'd like to donate to the show because you're happy that we don't have ads, we are a solely listener-supported podcast, which means listeners contribute to the show both financially and through volunteerism. If you feel you're getting value from this show, please help us by becoming a supporter. We count on you to make this work. You can donate via PayPal, a P.O. Box, a bitcoin address a monero wallet an xrp wallet and a litecoin wallet we also will add any other wow. crypto that, that you want or even a buy me a coffee wallet which is stripe i think which you've been you've been doing work tim way to go oh i, I try to work on occasion uh but that's it so yeah donate to us for, in those ways and we'd be happy to credit you as a producer of the show contributor to each episode and uh yeah read off your name and without any further ado, let's get to that. All right. Uh, Christine
4: from Manchester, New Hampshire.
3: She donated
4: $50. In the, via the P.O. box, which I'm assuming that paper that you're rattling in the microphone.
3: To annoy you, mainly, Andrew. To annoy well, you. And me and everyone else. All right. You go ahead and read it. <laughs> Hi, Tim and Andrew. Thank you for your analysis of all things crazy and evil in our present world. Your light but insightful banter helps keep me informed, but also grounded in faith in God. I often sit in my New Hampshire home office and stare at the chemtrails out my window while I slave away buying and selling microchips. Yes, the horrible chip industry. There is no end to the shortages in sight. It's refreshing to know that I'm not the only one watching the skies with skeptic eyes. I just wish they'd stop trying to kill us in oh so many ways. Anyway, I uh, enjoyed Andrew's book, a quick and informative read, which I digested in over a weekend while at my uh, favorite beach summer or favorite beach last summer. This is just a small thank you for your show and your efforts. Don't stop. Uh, Keep bringing the info and may God bless you both and your families with health, food and fuel. So it sounds like she already
4: read the book. Mm-hmm. Does she want another one? You have
3: it listed that I should be sending her one. Yeah, I just changed it. Just changed it on the fly because uh, apparently whoever is in the back office today did not update that. <laughs> did, not, did not read the note. Okay. Did, did not right. read the note before entering that in. So.
4: Well, thank you very much for that donation, Christine. Uh, we're yes, yes, and it more uh both the New Hampshire report was interesting and the uh, chip industry report also
3: interesting so it's- yeah, keep bringing the boots on the ground reports we like those from anybody
4: yeah and i'd i'd be curious if she is buying the the free stater the free state project if that's working out for New Hampshire or not doing much or what, so. Okay.
3: <clears throat> Next up, we have to the PayPal, Syra. She is from Reno, Nevada. Uh, Matthew from Burlington, Ontario. So, was this is her subscription of $5. Matthew's subscription of $7 a month. And then, of course, drum roll, please, of course. <laughs> Mr. Danny from Medford, Oregon, came in. With $25. Autumn from up there in Snoqualmie, Washington, not too far from where I used to be, came in with her monthly $5. Kyle as well. Uh, Kyle from Newton, Massachusetts, came in with his monthly $10. And then, so the beginning of the month, we we get a lot of the subscriptions. We want to thank everybody for that. Wish, you know, if everybody subscribed for a dollar, $2, $3, that would help us out quite a bit. Uh, But last but not least, of course, not least, big uh, VIP of the show. Mrs. Joy uh, from Nashville, Tennessee. So I probably could say her name. I don't know that she'd mind, but uh, yeah, I could probably say her full name. I don't know that she'd mind, but she is VIP of the show as being Tom Bionic, uh, former guest on the show, uh, his wife. Yes.
4: And future co-host of Tom Bionic's next podcast. (laughs) yeah yeah
3: once we once we talk them into doing it, so <laughs> Tom Bionic is trying to start up a new podcast that that much is clear i I do know that for sure, so who the podcast host will be is is uh not decided yet so anyway uh any anything else we need to add here so it looks like we'll get two books out. we're waiting on the address of another, and we can cancel this other book because she has already read it as of last year so.
4: Yep. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you for supporting episode 271.
3: Yeah, holy cow. I forgot. We I should go back and listen to episode 200. Have you listened to it recently? You don't ever listen to podcasts, but I should go listen to episode 200 because we made that episode a la kind of a no agenda idea of kind of review the basics for new people that had joined and then they, we could refer to it. So... I should uh, I should check that out. See if that's still something that we should have people check out. (laughs) If it is still valid, (laughs) I think it's probably still valid. But I don't know. You you talked Uh, about
4: parenting on the fly. We kind of podcast on the fly. This is not. I'm not aware of a a mission statement other than like you know, we don't do advertising stuff. It's. I mean, you wrote our mission statement, Andrew. Well.
3: We take a sarcastic view of the news. Yeah, this podcast takes a skeptical and sometimes sarcastic view of mass media and government propaganda. We sift through alternative, mainstream, and first-hand news sources to try and figure out what is actually happening. We don't find any of the current wars, or many of those in history, to be anything more than aggression disguised by blatant war propaganda. We also emphasize health issues, especially the deleterious effects of GMOs, vaccines, prescription drugs, and the rest of the eugenics agenda on our lives and the lives of those around us. Most importantly, we examine how the pseudo-reality we are fed through mass media contradicts the way the world is accurately described in the Bible.
4: It's we're never gonna have a megachurch with that wordy of a mission statement. It needs to be like pod cast. Yeah, <laughs> I I may be referencing an Oklahoma City megachurch or or three,
3: but don't want life church? Life church. It's funny you bring that up, because last week, or a week before, you kind of laughed at me because I said I read my the Bible on my phone. You're like, oh, I couldn't imagine reading my Bible on my phone. And come to find out that's how most people read their Bible, Andrew. Oh, yeah? Yes, yes, because it's convenient. It's in your pocket. You have it right there, and you can get it to remind you to to read, or it gives you a verse of the day, and... I know, I found it to be extremely helpful, but it's made by Life.Church. They're the one that made the app in the, orig- in the first space. And it has over a billion downloads. Have you seen that? Wow. Yeah. And they're saying that it was uh, a huge game changer for um, missions overseas because you wouldn't have to bring a physical version of the Bible. If you could get the app onto their phone, then they they can be discreet Mm. about it. Right. Like you can't, you and I, you and I live in a Western world where we can, you know, grab a Jerusalem Bible, you know, the size of a dictionary and, you know, walking around and nobody really cares. But in other countries around the world where it's not so happy, not so easy. uh, But yeah, no, not a billion. I apologize. Five hundred million app installs. And it's but still a lot, it is a lot. It's available in over 60 languages. It's a, been a game changer for missions. I think it's honestly, and I used to do uh, when I was uh, hooking up cars to Bluetooth at the dealership, everybody like they would hand me their phone so I could just you know, a lot of people, especially the older people, just hand me their phone like hook it up to the car. I don't want to do this. Like, and I always noticed the oh, oh, the Bible app, oh, the Bible app, the Bible app, yeah. So I think I think that it's uh, I think that it's a huge deal, man. I think that most of the people that listen to the show probably read the Bible on their phone, and the verse of the day is pretty cool. It gives you an idea, It just gives you a, a verse, and then you get different reminders. Or there's different reading plans. There's even like friends, and you can read with them, invite them to read stuff with you. I say all that to say it's been a great run, and, and I think it is still a pretty awesome website and uh, app, but. I do think the future, unfortunately, is moving offline completely. (laughs) And I think that it's not just the Bible, but other books as well. If you like them, you want to have them around, I think it's time to start buying them, the physical versions. And 10 years ago, when Dr. Future was telling me that, I thought he sounded a little bit too paranoid for my deal. (laughs) Uh, these days I think it's probably true. Uh, I, I still am probably a little bit ahead of the curve, but Hey, better to be early than late with that whole idea. So make sure you at least have a couple of the, uh, of the actual Bibles around. So yeah, I found it to be, it, it's, just, it's super helpful, super helpful. Cause that's the thing too. You're sitting at work. Did you bring your Bible to work today, Andrew? Well, you work from home, so I guess it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yes, you did. But uh, you know, when I was at the dealership, it's not like I could lug the Bible in. I guess I could, but I I didn't. And so it's like, oh, cool. I could just pull up my phone and read something right now. And uh, yeah, I think it's. uh, But but on the Hmm. other hand, it's time to kind of move away from it. As as good as some of the technology has been, I think you know, its time is definitely limited. Yeah, it's
4: it's fine as long as it's an and not a just because <laughs> there is a way, you know, if they haven't figured out the technology to wipe the Bible app off of everyone's
3: phone, they will sooner or later. But Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I got some interesting clips this week. I actually listened to a sermon which touched me in a way that I thought, hey, let's, let's bring this to the show. It talks about some interesting stuff about things, about something we talk about a lot on the show, which is education.
8: Nice. are not always the big bad Hollywood sins type stuff, you know, not always the big bad, because the things in life that are tempting are not always the big bad Hollywood sins type stuff, you know, sometimes it's look like, let other people raise your children. Did I just say that out loud? I did. (laughs) Because there's a fundamental component. I said discipleship is a constant. The only question is in what direction and in whose image would discipleship take place? When a sister in our church back in New Orleans said, I don't know where my daughters learned this. I said, I know where. Where have you been sending them? Because the fundamental component of reproduction is that everything reproduces after its own kind. With this worldly bifurcation... There's been an embracing of a phenomenon that allows there to be a distinction between, in many instances, academic matriculation and spiritual formation. But the word of God says, Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs chapter nine, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I'm going to ask a very pointed question right now. If this scripture is true, which we should know it is, I'm telling you it is. If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, what education can there be that denies the knowledge of God?
3: Well, I have an example. Amen. Right? <laughs> I have an yeah. example of what education would be.
2: I wish to raise a matter this afternoon for the attention of the Minister for Education, and I have to say it is not often in this job I am absolutely shocked. I thought I'd, I thought I'd seen everything, uh, but this one um, is, um, is uh, just, just beyond words. Uh, it is a, a, a note from a constituent who says, Hi, Bernie, this is a worksheet that my 10-year-old daughter brought home from school, and it includes a photo of the worksheet. Part of her homework was to discuss with her father his erections and ejaculation. I find this very disturbing and sickening, as indeed do I, I have to say. I have complained to the school and was told it was just part of the curriculum. Can you advise who else I should make a complaint to? Well, I could go on for days uh, who she could complain to. My daughter still plays with dolls and writes letters to the tooth fairy. There is no way any little girl should be told to ask these questions. Well, so say all of us. What the hell is going on in this state when 10-year-old girls are told to go home and talk to your father about his erections and about his ejaculations? What the hell is going on here? How the hell are we supposed to protect our kids when this sort of perversion is in our schools? This is what is being dished up to them on a daily basis in a primary school, not even a secondary school, a primary school. This is just unbelievable. It's staggering. I could not imagine the reaction. I have three daughters. I could not imagine the reaction of any of them if they were told to to, to do that. They would be traumatised for life. I don't think they'd ever recover. I'm not sure I'd ever recover this is this is just deplorable, this is just
8: deplorable, and it seems to me All right, so that is so stage
3: is set that is Bernie Finn, member of the Victoria Legislative Council uh, in Australia, and the uh, uh sermon that I'm playing uh, different parts from is from uh, a gentleman named Abraham Hamilton. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, interesting. Interesting, and interesting that it's happening in multiple countries, all at, all the, same at the same time. All at the same time, yeah. Which is becoming more and more of a theme of this show. I'm glad we don't have world government, just the same things happening all around the world at <laughs> yeah, the same just, time. Yeah. I'm glad there's no world government, though. So... Uh, this gentleman, as you'll be uh, shocked to learn, decided to homeschool his children.
8: You may have an acquisition of information, but it's not knowledge, biblically speaking, because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But many professing Christ followers have accepted a mechanism of instruction that intentionally denies the knowledge of God, yet we call it education. And the scripture presents the question, can it truly be an education if it denies the fear of the Lord? My wife and I, we are a homeschooling family, but homeschooling is not salvific. It's not. But it does provide some benefits. We teach our children, when we teach them math, we not only teach them to ask a question or to evaluate the question, two plus two equals four. We then add the worldview components to that question. Why does two plus two equal four? Will 2 plus 2 ever equal anything other than 4? My children now know to respond to those questions that 2 plus 2 equals 4, Daddy, and 2 plus 2 will always equal 4 because God is a God of order. The discipline of mathematics invites us to peer into an aspect of God's mind. By studying mathematics, we are drawing near to the mind of God. Now I'm not saying this to, to brag. What I'm saying this, the purpose of saying this is that if our children are solely taught two plus two equals four, they're not being provided a robust education. Because they're being denied access to the overarching worldview principles that make these mathematical formulations work. There could be no discipline of mathematics if this universe wasn't the reflection of our creator God. In order to have laws of thermodynamics, in order to project how the, the, you know, the, um, the computers, that's, computers were people before they were instruments, I think pretty much must know that with the Hidden, Hidden Figures movie. There could be no computers to project how we can land on the moon without the Lord's universe being one of order. And then the conclusion that my children draw from studying mathematics is because of the consistency and the constancy of our God as reflected in his universe, it reveals to me that I can trust him in all times, in all circumstances, because he is a God that changes not. But when we submit the Lord's heritage that's been entrusted to our care to a system of instruction that denies the worldview implications of the mathematical formula, we are doing worse than not giving them an education. We're doing something even worse. We're teaching them that there's a level of existence that does not require dependence on the one who makes math possible. Which has resulted in generation of gener- after generation after generation of Americans who profess to be Christ followers, but who live practically as atheists. Because we have taught them to live as if there is no God. We haven't taught them by affirmative say- having them say, repeat after me, there is no God. But we've taught them to ascribe a manner of living to where God is a foreign idea in the reality of their lives. And then in too many instances, we have that phenomenon taking place. Then we come and bring in the brother, John, and say, make a disciple out of my child. <laughs> well, he probably won't say it, but I will for him. How?
7: <laughs> How?
3: So this is a little bit different from what we usually play, but he's about to get into some uh, quotes from people, I think, that are uh, instructional, a little bit more up the uh, normal alley for us. You still there, Andrew? I'm here. All right, man. Go for it.
8: There was an article written December 13th, 2020. I was shocked that Yahoo published it. It was titled, Why American Children Stop Believing in God. For the sake of time, I'll just hit some of the highlights. In the article, it was a product of Empirical research conducted by a researcher by the name of Lyman Stone. The study was produced by the American Enterprise Institute. The long story short, the the study revealed that America's secularization can be pinpointed and placed at the feet of the American educational system. Now this was an article produced in 2020, but I want to show you that this should not surprise us. Because I'm going to tell you, I've heard numerous people say, oh, man, our educational system has failed. And I would just respond, has it? Because in order for you and I to assess whether or not something has failed or not, we have to know what the intended purpose was from the beginning. (laughs) And I'll just say very plainly. The purpose is not necessarily what they've told you and I. Their purpose is. Let me give you an idea what I'm talking about. I'll start with a man by the name of Charles Francis Potter, who was a signer of the first Humanist Manifesto and founder of the Humanist Society in New York. He published a book in 1930, 1930, not 2010, 1930. Charles Francis Potter said this. Education is us the most powerful ally of humanism, and every American school is a school of humanism. What can theistic Sunday schools Meeting for an hour once a week and teaching only a fraction of the children due to stem the tide of the five day program of humanistic teaching. Charles Francis Potter said this in 1930. Seems he understands the importance of time into making disciples. He posited: what can theistic Sunday schools do? What can those churches do? They can't stop this teaching only a fraction of a children for an hour a week. When we got them five days a week, eight hours a day, for a minimum of 12 years.
3: Any thoughts or just keep moving?
4: Yeah, it's a, you
3: know, <clears throat> we've covered some stuff again. What, what's this guy's name again? It is uh, Abraham Hamilton III. Where's he at? This is a guest speaker in, he's guest speaking at a North Dallas uh, Bibles fellowship, but he says he's from New Orleans. He, I guess he's on the radio too, so. Okay. okay.
8: Horace Mann, known as the father of the modern American public school system. He said this in 1845. This was published in a, an accumulation of lectures on education. In 1845, Horace Mann said this. We who are engaged in the sacred cause of education are entitled to look upon all parents as having given hostages to our cause, end quote. I don't know about you, but I don't think anybody who is describing my children as hostages, I don't think they mean well for my children. (laughs) And I want to be clear about something. I'm not saying that there are not godly teachers in our, our government school systems. I'm not saying that there are godly principals, godly administrators. But what I'm saying is that they're endeavoring to operate in a system that has positioned itself as hostile to God. John Dewey was an atheist, socialist, and who intentionally sought to infiltrate education in America to turn the American educational system into a breeding ground for what he described as humanism. Humanism basically says there is no God. John Dewey is also responsible for creating the phenomenon that became American teachers colleges because he sought to control what people were admitted to the discipline of teaching and who was taken out of teaching. John Dewey said this in his book, Pedagogic Creed. I'm sorry, not his book. It's an article. Pedagogic Creed that was published in the School Journal, Volume 54, in January of 1897. This is what John Dewey said. Every teacher should realize he is a social servant set apart for the maintenance of the proper social order and securing of the right social growth. In this way, the teacher is always the prophet of the true God and the usher of the true kingdom of heaven, End quote. Now, this is a humanist who doesn't believe God exists. <laughs> but he says every teacher is a social servant. Who've been entrusted with the establishment of the true order?
7: Hmm.
3: Now, what well, kind of order do you think he has order, in though. mind? If he's <laughs> he's <laughs> Masonry?
8: An atheist and a humanist, a secular humanist. Do you think he has the order in mind of the moral law of the, of the Ten Commandments? Do you think he has in mind the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge?
3: No. Just a guess, but no. Just a guess.
4: No, and it's not secular humanism. That's the cover for Gnosticism and occultism, and eventually, all roads lead to you know. Th- there's only two places the re- it goes. You're either worshiping the actual creator of the universe, or you're worshiping
3: the other guy. The- <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah. I got I got three more starting with a pretty enlightening view of uh, Christianity.
8: If I don't look this way any longer, y'all just... (laughs) It's not because my eye don't work. It works, it works, it works. (laughs) John J. Dunphy, is another one. John J. Dunphy is an educator, he's an author, he's a humanist. He wrote in a publication... (laughs) Called the Humanist Magazine. This is published as an essay in the January and February edition from 1983. And I'm sharing these dates with you intentionally to let you see that this ain't something that just happened yesterday. John J. Dumphy said this, quote, I am convinced that the battle for humankind's future must be waged and won in the public school classroom by teachers who correctly perceive their role as the proselytizers of a new faith. A religion of humanity that recognizes and respects the spark of what theologians call divinity in every human being. These teachers must embody the same selfless dedication as the most rabid fundamentalist preachers. For they will be ministers of another sort. Utilizing a classroom instead of a pulpit to convey humanist values and whatever subject they teach. Regardless of the educational level. Preschool. Daycare or large state university. The classroom must and will become an arena of conflict between the old and the new. The rotting corpse of Christianity, together with all its adjacent evils and misery, and the new faith of humanism, resplendent with its promise of a world in which the never realized Christian ideal of love thy neighbor will be finally achieved." End quote. He said that in 1983. The rotting corpse of Christianity. And notice he said that we have to teach this in whatever level and whatever subject. Now today, some people are saying, why are they teaching that? Shouldn't they be teaching mathematics? <laughs> Their purpose is not the same one that you and I have. And notice he said preschool in 1983. Just this last few weeks, there's been a lot of uproar in Florida. Because the state legislature in Florida had the audacity to create a bill that says kindergartners to third graders cannot be taught about sexuality. Just this past couple weeks and the governor of Florida signed the bill into law and people are going crazy. What's so strange about having kindergartners not to be sexualized? But when your commitment is to making sure that the rotting corpse of Christianity falls by the wayside. You do so in every subject, no matter the grade level.
4: So, in addition to not buying stuff from people that hate you, maybe don't send your kids to people that hate you. <laughs> For eight hours a day. Maybe don't offer your children to people that hate you.
3: So yeah, absolutely.
4: And that hate God, more importantly. But
3: yeah, yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I think that really was the reason I'm playing these clips. The reason this caught me was it really explained a lot of the kind of godlessness and pink hair and all that kind of, you know, very far left, like, yeah, drag queens reading to little kids stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. there is a very clear, it's not, you know, sometimes I think the government is just huge and dumb and it is, it's just dumb bureaucracy with a lot of different moving parts, but there were people in its inception uh, and throughout, who have a very clear agenda in mind, and uh, you know, when you teach people evolution, you teach them you're just an animal, um, there is no right or wrong, you know, and then you know, abortion numbers skyrocket, crime skyrockets, suicide skyrockets, social media use is rampant, and depression is rampant, and it's like, what happened? It's like, well. <laughs> there's there's something something happened and that's it's it started in the schools and then all you got to do is on top of all those things which have been going on for a long time then you start throwing on the you know communism is good or socialism is good or you know money is bad and you know white people are evil and you know that's that's like icing on the cake this is the foundational stuff right here
4: yeah yeah it's it Everything follows from your worldview, yeah, and from the you know that if you if you choose to accept a a truly biblical worldview, everything you know you see the world that way. If you have kind of a hodgepodge of like, well, I think I can figure out. I'll take this from this, you know, from what I learned in school and this from TV and this from science and this from this book, and maybe a little bit from church thrown in, you know, this is you're, you're not basing your worldview on
3: the world as God says it is. Absolutely. So. And the education system, I mean, who knew that, you know, Darwin was a, was an employee of the Rothschilds. And, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> They came up with this alternative idea less than 200 years ago of where we all came from. And now it's like taught as like fact, even though there's no explanation, you know, who Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to say who knew because I don't want to sound stupid. But but really, who knew that that would lead to like people just like going to church and then going to school for eight hours a day, seven, five days a week, as opposed to Sunday school for one hour. And they just be like, well. Yeah, I guess, Five, six, seven days creation, okay. okay, yeah, that doesn't make sense, but, uh, you know, oh, okay, I guess, maybe, but this other thing makes some more sense, there's, people wrote about it, there's books, there's, 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 science there's, says. there's science, there's scientism, <laughs> yeah, two more, two more, okay,
8: but the Lord said that the responsibility of discipling offspring, it rests with the families with the father as the head of the family. So it's a newsflash. I'm sure y'all know this, but it's not Pastor John and Pastor Dane's responsibility to disciple your children. It's not. It doesn't mean the church doesn't have a role, and we're going to get to that in a few moments. But it's not the primary role. It's not the primary role. That's why Charles Francis Potter said, what can these theistic Sunday schools do? They've lost before the game even started. We have almost all of the children, almost all of the time. Guess who's going to win? The whole training of the mind and the morals, the academic matriculation and the spiritual development. But it's not as if the church doesn't have a role. I'll just mention this. You you can search the scriptures, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 15. The Bible says that the church's role is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So the church has a role, but it is a supportive role, not a primary role. The church's role is to equip you and I so that when we leave here, we do the work of the ministry. Starting in our homes. Doesn't mean that's the only place where you serve. But it does mean that we shouldn't sacrifice our homes in order to win the world. Because here's something that I found. God knows that his heritage they're only going to be at these formative stages for so long. There's a time when they're going to be gone. And, and I don't I'm not trying to put a heavy weight of condemnation on anybody, but here's the truth. You don't get to repeat 12 years old. The grace of God is, is prevalent and God is good. Absolutely. But you don't get to do eight over again. You don't get to redo 16. It puts
3: the responsibility on. On parents out there, and I think that this world could use more of that. People n- need to understand that, you know, that's kind of the 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 way he started this whole sermon was like, look, there's discipling in one of two ways. You're discipling towards Christ or you're discipling mm-hmm. or somebody else is discipling them away from Christ.
4: Yeah, I like that, that and, statement there.
3: And I think that that's that's the same. I mean that's the same thing we're dealing with here. And we at At our houses, you know, we talk, my wife and I talk about this often, you know, we, every now and then it's just like, you know, with a one-year-old and and the five-year-old, it's like complete chaos or the dog dies or whatever. It just, it gets hard, you know, one of us is sighing or at the end of our rope and, you know, another one will point out to him, like, it sometimes doesn't help in the heat of the moment, but maybe a few minutes later, like, you know, supposedly we keep being told this and I'm sure it's true that, you know, someday we'll look back on this time as like the good times. You know the times when <laughs> the times when the kids were little, right? Everybody who's older has always told us that. When you when you look back on the oh, I know it's tough right now, but you'll look back on these as the good times when the kids were little. And you know my kids are all grown and they've all left, but it's true, man. We we don't we don't get to repeat eight years old. We don't get to repeat five years old. There's only you know eighteen summers. It's 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 important, and everything we do, I think, is. In one way or another, discipling them towards direction. And it's just good to kind of remember that.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And that's if, you know, we
3: need to care about our kids because Satan does. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that that is the plan is to erode everything from the inside out. And that's how they had to do it. And that's how they're trying. There was no other way to to take down this country and to, to, to mislead people from Christ, then to get rid of prayer in school, get rid of God, and then start moving in a different direction. And now it's just, we're reaping. We're just beginning to see the, the uh, fruits of this, not just beginning to, but it's starting to become very, very obvious that there's something bad happening somewhere. And uh, it's good to remember that this is where it is.
4: Yeah. I'll, I'll throw in a, uh, not a happy tweet from uh, Lila Rose. She's the pro-life gal. Uh, The medical waste company that picks up bodies from Cesar Santangelo's late-term DC abortion clinic, where the five infants were found, says on its website it uses waste-to-energy incineration to safely convert infectious biomedical waste into useful energy. So... We have now devolved to the point where companies are, and there's a link through to the company's website where they brag about using medical waste in energy, like literally burning babies. So, this is forget the savages back in Old Testament times where, you know. <laughs> we're certainly not any better in America today so
3: yeah bail with the heated up hands yeah uh, I got the one last thing but I did want to say something positive before we end this show and the heat before we have him wrap this up and that was supposedly Oklahoma legislature passed a near total abortion ban today did you see this
4: yeah yeah I yeah. did see
3: that I should have throwing it in the folder, um,
4: and um, my real estate agent just posted a video saying why every patriot is moving to Oklahoma City in
3: 2022. That's cool. That's cool. There are a lot of people (laughs) moving here. It's wild. As someone who grew up here and who is getting back used to the storms, the flatness, and the uh, the, uh, people... It's uh, it's wild to think that now this has become a mecca, a place where people want to come. It's pretty, pretty intense, but uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting for sure. It's weird to be called back here, and it's weird that you came with me. It's just all weird. (laughs) I've not
4: seen, I've not seen, uh, you know, on these like the moving to Oklahoma social media things. Mm -hmm. Everyone like feels the need to like if they're coming from west coast or east coast they're like hey like I'm um, you know I, i'm not a, i'm not a liberal i'm not a democrat like, i'm moving to get away from it
3: like please like i'm, I'm just looking for a house like <laughs> well, there's no that's one thing about the people of oklahoma man they uh it's actually funny uh danny uh, the the Danny for this show was he emailed me and said that everybody's so friendly over in Kansas, they always wave at him everywhere he goes. Like, mm-hmm. what he I gotta, I'll read, but like, it's a perfect encapsulation of how it is here in Oklahoma. It's just, yeah, yeah, I always told you that. How do you make a one arm man fall out of a tree? Uh, one arm, Oklahoma. Wave to him. <laughs> yeah, one arm, Oklahoma. Fall out of a tree. Wave to him. This is a. Hey, Danny wrote me this. I don't know if he thought I'd read it, but I'm gonna read it anyway. Thanks again for another great show. I'm currently in Michigan. Don't think I would move here though. Kansas was nice. People in Kansas wave at you while driving. Like not just around the neighborhood. Like saying hi at 55 miles per hour down the highway. <laughs> they yeah. must not. They must not get tired of waving at every oncoming car. People in Michigan not as nice on the road. Thanks again. But that that is how it is here in Oklahoma. People are nice, man. People are nice. People, it's weird. People hold the door. I'm holding the baby. People hold open, hold the door open. You know, people talk to me. That's a great baby. What are you guys doing? Why didn't she have shoes on? She doesn't have shoes on because shoes are unnatural, lady. Now leave me alone. <laughs> <around. laughs> just kidding. But uh, but people talk to you. You know, you're holding the baby. Someone holds the door. People say stuff to you. They talk. It's 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 refreshing. It's odd. I think that. Uh, I think we're settling in just fine. As long as we get the housing situation settled, I think that uh, we will be very happy here. Have you heard? I think this is one of the one of the the nicknames for Oklahoma City: the Big Friendly. Oh, I like it. Welcome to the Big Friendly, they say. So, yeah. anyway, uh, last little clip of him wrapping up, and then uh, perhaps right after that we can wrap up and get out of here. Sounds good.
8: But the Lord said that the responsibility of discipling offspring, it rests with the families, with the father as the head of the family. So it's a newsflash. I'm sure you all know this, but it's not Pastor John and Pastor Dames responsibility to disciple your children. It's not. It doesn't mean the church doesn't have a role. We're going to get to that. And the saints for the work of the ministry. We do the work of the ministry. Starting in our homes, doesn't mean that's the only place where you serve but it does mean that we shouldn't sacrifice our homes in order to win the world because
3: it looks like I doubled up on a clip. So I didn't get the wrap up. My apologies, everybody. That was the same clip from just a moment ago.
4: Well, if if people made it this long, then
3: they must've liked what they, what they heard. So nobody's shutting off this podcast because of that. Those clips, Andrew, everybody made it this far. It was, you got to tell me when you you get to
4: do all this prep, then I, I know I don't have to do as much. I would, I would have let you start earlier there, but
3: (laughs) I think it's good. I think it's good. I think it was a good, it was a good show. It's a, I wanted to make sure you brought the normal stuff that we usually talk about. And this is obviously tangentially related to the, to the normal stuff as well. So, um. I appreciate it. I appreciate your, your diligence in preparing a narrative or a show for us. Is there anything on your list? Cause we do have, you do have quite a list here that we got to make sure to, to touch on or let everybody know that the link will be in the show notes. I've been doing something interesting these last few weeks, Andrew. I don't know if you've noticed on the website, but I've been posting our clips. All right. Like Good work legitimately the whole clip. So, uh, it's show notes, the contributors, the links to all the stories covered, which, by the way, there's always a lot. And then clips. You can go. Everybody can go and check them out for themselves. But we got the Laura Logan Darwin clip. We got JFK or RFK Jr. Bill Gates takedown with JP Sears. We got all of last week's clips right there on the website. You can go there, just press play, or even just download it right right there on the website. So I'll try to title them better. Yeah. Are you retitling them? I am not retitling them. So okay. that's, yeah, I, okay. if, if wait, I'm retitling them, if, if it's terrible, if it's like, you, you know, it's like some yeah. gobbledygook well, or YouTube yeah. something. or Yeah. yeah. I, if it's bad, I'll, you know, I'll retitle it. There's this one called Camilla on inflation. I'm not sure which one that is. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anything we yeah. got to get to in your show notes here that we didn't touch on? Uh, Thomas Massey tweet if,
4: if soy based artificial hamburgers are so sustainable why is growing soybeans subsidized yet raising cattle is not good question good question, good question. we
3: don't want your soy burgers Bill Gates yeah. uh, I just clicked on this to look at your Thomas Massey tweet and on the right-hand side, what's happening? Looks like the U.S. Senate confirmed Kintaji Brown Jackson's appointment to the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm. So, pedophiles sh- everywhere, rejoice! Shocking, shocking. The uh, I, I think it's kind of it's definitely worth noting that she was the judge on the uh, Pizzagate. Pizzagate. The the Pizzagate. Well. The story that the, the, supposedly debunked all the other stories—it took all yeah. the evidence. The guy of,
4: accidentally shoots himself, and they throw him in. J- she threw him in jail for multiple years.
3: Yeah, but that's and that is used as a reason to dis discredit, discount everything that was discovered in Pinksgate It's all out the window, right? It's, it's been all, debunked. It's all been debunked <laughs> because some guy showed up and sh- accidentally shot himself. So. Um, and then also, I had an article on the side here, the era or the time of going to the grocery store. The era of unlimited options at the grocery store is likely a thing of the past from Bloomberg. It's already a thing of the past
4: in in Oregon, where we are coming from.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Stores are more empty than this.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah, well. Weird that Bloomberg's writing a story about it. Oh, they're just getting people ready.
4: It just and it'll all be you know it's not part of a plan or anything. It's not (laughs) part of an agenda. It's not like we've been we put in the whole fragile supply chain just in time, everything, and and made it tough to to be a small time farmer and and incentivize growing ethanol. GMO corn, your GMO corn for ethanol instead of food. Uh, it's all an accident, just it's Putin's fault.
3: Putin's fault, you're hungry. So. Putin's fault. So, you've been doing any prepping over there, Andrew? Like end of the world prepping? Yeah, like food shortages prepping.
4: No, no, there's uh, I still have a six-month supply of food. Oh, good for you! But it's uh, sitting at an undisclosed location about two thousand miles away.
8: <laughs> and so we, we did your... try
4: it when I was deciding whether or not to try and move it. Yeah, pretty bad. Oh, yeah. like you ate some? Like it? It would? It's truly like survival only at this point. <laughs> I think I bought it in uh, 2009. Okay. So, and it's a 10 year shelf life stuff. So, oh, so it was expired already. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not like expired, like make you sick.
3: Just, no, no, no. It's not very good. Yeah. Yeah. Shelf life is expired. So,
4: yeah. Well, so, yeah. Just, uh, you know, keeping an eye out for which one's the slow cow. Around, you know <laughs>
3: <laughs> it is like I can't explain to people how bizarre it is to constantly be talking about food shortages, hearing about food shortages, thinking about the future of food shortages, and driving by I kid you not to drive out of from my house to a main road. I gotta pass a hundred cows. <laughs>
4: Plus a couple, plus like, you know, with gas prices shooting up and yet you're driving by
3: oil wells everywhere. There's literally oil (laughs) wells out here. One that's like burning off natural gas off the top. Like there's this eternal flame. My wife always chuckles that our Northwest friends and family aren't going to understand what the heck that is when they visit us. I tell them, I tell them, just tell them it's like, you know, it's a memoriam of JFK. They lit it a few years, you know, a bunch of years ago when he got assassinated. And that's why it's, why is it so high? Eh, you know, but it, it, anyway, it is weird to hear about energy shortages when you're driving by oil wells and oil pumps and uh, food shortages when you drive by over 100 cattle at least yeah. on yeah, the, way the, to the road.
4: The WHO or World Economic Forum or something was talking about how you know, you the only protein should be something that's within you know 10 miles of your house. So like, oh, I'm fine with that,
3: bring on <laughs> and done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's the same thing that they did with all the, you know, the factory uh, manufacturing and everything. They sent it all to China, and then it's like, oh, we got to be sustainable. We can't get everything from China. It's like you took all those jobs and put them right. there. Like yep. now they're do, they're doing the same thing with food. It's like, well, it should be ten miles from your house. It's like you bought all this land in the middle of the country and like regulated that. You know, almost no other. Like, wasn't Oregon trying to get rid of all livestock for like a minute last year? That that was they were yes they were trying to make it tough to have cows. That's where Idaho was like okay you can just become a part of us like that's nuts. I had two stories in my folder by the which one of them disappeared. I got to start saving the HTML file. Egg prices soar as highly pathogenic bird flu spreads just ahead of Easter. Oh, they're gonna pull up the bird flu thing as an excuse to get rid of some food supply there some chicken some eggs and now i'm hearing about there's going to be regulations to get chickens hey whatever happened to the lady you know bitten by the monkey
4: and that was going to spread some super strain of something that they some scary virus
3: out of the lab maybe maybe it was too obvious i don't know i don't know And this is from my uh, former area, which, by the way, they have a winter weather advisory in the mountains up there in Seattle. But raw oysters possibly contaminated with norovirus sold in multiple states and in Florida, FDA warns. So contaminated oysters from Canada and the Puget Sound were uh, sold to uh, states. And it lists all the states. But so they have to destroy some oysters, too. I'm getting wary of all these. We got to destroy this because there's a virus Mm -hmm. in this food. Yeah. And I'm also starting to get wary of uh, California's trying to ban chickens altogether. Uh, they're starting to make it like you have to like apply for a permit to uh, have chickens, which makes sense. I mean, you can't collect rainwater, so you shouldn't be able to just buy a chicken <laughs> if you want. So,
4: well, there's only certain places in the Oklahoma City metro where you can have chickens. So, really, yeah, you can't there's have them
3: else.
4: everywhere. Uh, you can have them in Yukon
3: okay but you can't have them in piedmont
4: i don't think you can have them well you couldn't have them like it's it's mainly hoa rules so yeah if i was gonna say, what HOA, you're saying yeah, yeah
3: what you're saying right now is hoa rules or yeah yeah and that makes sense I get but there's that. also city yeah city rules yeah so. yep. we're buying farm fresh eggs it's like eight dollars for 30 <laughs> well, that's awesome yeah and they taste way better. You gonna bring
4: or, some uh, any other eggs? I, I, I will. I will purchase some raw milk and some eggs from you if you
3: want to bring it up. I probably should do that. Uh, I will bring. I will bring some eggs, but I don't think I'll bring any raw milk. I apologize. I am on a schedule with the raw milk uh, people. Oh, we're uh, off the. What's that? Yeah, well, I, I can uh, maybe try to get some more. I can ask. But I'm on a schedule where I get it every Monday, Thursday to keep up with the with the the babies drinking. So but I might I'll be able to bring some, maybe a little bit. Maybe some. You're like, dude, I want a gallon. I know, I know. She's <laughs> well here here's the deal here's the deal. Soon there will, it will be in abundance. But I think we got two here's the thing they keep telling her they keep telling me. We have two babies, two babies, two calves. That are currently needing milk from their mom. So there's mm. two. How dare they? Yeah.
7: <laughs> <laughs> so.
3: So, <laughs> so unnatural. So there's two cows that are out of commission because they have babies. So they, the babies need them. So no milk for you. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was awesome I'd rolled in there I put my money in and put my name on the all of a sudden like the second or third time I went they're like, where's your name on the list I was like uh, there's a list <laughs> so they're like yeah you gotta put a list and I'm thank goodness I stayed there and talked long enough to know to figure out that the the son of the couple, has actually been to church with my dad once before. <laughs> so oh, cool! I'm glad I stayed and like talked through that whole thing. Then she was like, okay, we'll add you to the list. What days do you want? How much do you need? I was like, Oh, thank goodness. But I think once those other cows are grown, it's going to be a lot easier to, uh, to get more, but they yeah. produce about a hundred gallons a day or so. Nice. But you'd be shocked. That there's a lot of people who come in who drive from Tulsa to buy five gallons of milk and stuff. It's crazy.
4: I believe it yeah there's there's nothing close up here there's uh there's donkey milk and uh goat milk but no just raw cow's milk interesting yeah. interesting I might try also I might I might might there's a market opportunity out there people somewhere
3: in Northwest Oklahoma City It's yeah you know, come on for all the cat cow- the like the, the farmer like the, the ranchers that listen to this in the Oklahoma City area. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but actually, you know what? The Garden City Farmers, Garden City Ranchers, they donated the huge donation back in January. Yeah, they're not they're in Iowa though, right? Garden City, Kansas, my friend. Oh, Garden, Kansas? Garden City, Iowa. Yeah, they're close. How far is Garden City from you? Garden City to Yukon I'm going to be so far off on this aren't I (laughs) sorry it's five hours away so yeah. anyway still a golden opportunity out there (laughs) I was thinking maybe they're just across the border but who knows maybe they don't even have raw milk anyway I'm a little bit off topic I think it's time to wrap it yeah, the the only other story I was going to get to is uh, a good
4: anti-virus story like, okay. called "Let's Get to the Root." There's no proof of SARS-CoV-2 from Alex Zek. It's a it's a good one if you're interested in the you know the whole questioning the virus deal. It's a good one. Basically, they did an experiment where they did the same process um, that is done to like, you know, test for a virus, but without the without the virus, like without an infected sample, they just did the same process with the same stuff Mm -hmm. and they got the same result. Wow. So it's uh anyway. It's in in more detail there, but yeah, people should check that out if interested. And if you, you know, words of wisdom of the week, if you hear the word virus or space, just realize there's a scam
3: involved. (laughs) Only story I didn't get to was uh, from the Seattle Times, which brought you uh, overall violent crime is up 32%. Uh, In the first three months of 2022, as opposed to the first three three months of 2021. Odd. Very odd. Hmm. Touchy topic in Seattle. The city council president says people are afraid to talk about it because they'll be afraid that they'll be called racist. (laughs) Except something really bad is happening. The violence trends is not unique to Seattle, but our city finds itself especially poorly situated to deal with it. And that's from uh, this. Good old Seattle times. Communism didn't work this time either.
4: What a surprise.
3: Yeah. Never does. Never does. Well, thanks for doing a show, Mr. Andrew. And uh, I hope that this this weekend you get yourself a, a golden jacket. Green. <laughs> a green jacket. And uh, so you won't be playing at the Masters or anything, will you? Yeah, well... In-
4: Come over and we will eat eat some steaks and
3: educate you on the masters so. <laughs> I'm interested I'm interested the uh, the green jacket my apologies, the green jacket so
7: yeah
3: all right everybody thanks. Thank you.
0: A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. dot com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com dot com and click on the contact tab or support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com dot com, and thank you for your support of this podcast.
7: Don't you see
1: old jacket green jacket who gives this